Another Valentine's Day has come and gone, and for some, it's good riddance. For others, maybe you had a romantic evening with someone you love, or maybe it was a date that involved a movie. More than perhaps any other holiday, I would bet there's a good chance that if you saw a movie, it was a romance or romantic drama, romantic comedy, you know, something to do with love. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show, focused on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, relationship movies, whether we're talking dramas laced with romance or your more typical rom-com fare, often turn up this time of year in early February, and sometimes they will slip into rotation for many more years to come. So today, we're going to talk romance. Specifically, we're going to address this question. How do Hollywood's depictions of relationships on screen influence us? And by us, I mean all of the different us's out there. Whether you're teens, whether you're a single adult, whether you're married, we're going to touch on all of that. And in our second segment, Paul Acey will join us to talk about a development on Plugged In's website you might have noticed, the presence of old movies. What are they doing there and why are we reviewing them? Paul will answer those questions for inquiring minds who want to know. Well, before we dig into those conversations today, just a reminder, The Plugged In Show is a production of Focus on the Family, and we are a donor-supported ministry. If you enjoy our conversations each week, we would love it if you'd make a donation to help us keep bringing you The Plugged In Show each and every week. And of course, make sure you subscribe to The Plugged In Show wherever you get your podcasts. And finally, Tell your friends the best way for us to grow is for you to tell other people how much you enjoy, hopefully, our conversations each week. Well, with no further ado, let's dive in. Joining me for our first segment today are Emily Chow and Jonathan McKee, and I'm also excited to introduce and welcome our guest participant, Lisa Anderson, from The Boundless Show as well. Hey, everyone. Hey, Lisa. Glad to be here. So good to be here. Thank you for the invite. Hey, Lisa. Hey. I think we're going to have a great conversation today. I am really looking forward to it. And it lends itself to the most softball icebreaker question I could possibly ask. What's your favorite romantic movie? And it can be a comedy or a drama or a period piece, although most of those are comedies or dramas. (laughs) Or, you know, it could be Star Wars. Uh, Okay, I won't pick Star Wars. I can jump off on this one. Um, (laughs) She's like, he's talking about Star Wars. I better take over. (laughs) Uh, so I'm going to say The Princess Bride. Oh, The Princess because Bride. Because it's not Word. a super sappy rom-com movie. I mean, I do like those. They have a place in my heart. But The Princess Bride is what I grew up on. It was like the first love story quote that I um, saw. And it, it had a very big impact on me. And it's probably one of the most quoted movies in my like in my immediate family. Yeah. <laughs> so, Yeah. Okay. Emily and I cannot be friends. There are so many reasons why I can't even stand that movie. Romance aside, I actually saw that movie in the you know, theater, believe I it or not. Don't hold back on not. your opinions. I know. I know. Shocking. You're wrong. Shocking. But... Okay, whatever. Um, do you know that the woman who, the the rodents of unusual size, she used to work with us here at Focus on We the had family. a rodent of unusual size here? The woman here? who did the voice, voices, the screeching really? for that. So cool. um, yeah, Fun so facts. you might want to get her on the show at some point. I'm just saying, <laughs> bring her back. Um, okay, I will, uh, not even that I can defend myself with this, but I feel like it's irresponsible as a woman to show up on this segment, specifically a single woman, <laughs> and not give a nod to Jane Austen. So I'm going to okay. say, because I have to you, cheat, actually. I'm going to give two. Oh, I'm gonna you give are- 
are, answers. You, you don't have any idea how many times we all people cheat, cheat on <laughs> okay. this question. Cheating, cheating. So I have to just say Pride and Prejudice. Obviously, yeah. yes. the BBC version is my most rewatchable, just sheer awesomeness romantic movie. I mean, the dialogue, the the wittiness, whatever. Colin Firth. Okay. My but sister I'm, had yeah. a, like, her husband was, like, gone for the weekend, and he arranged for my mom to babysit my niece, and so she had the weekend to herself, and I'm pretty sure she yeah. binge-watched Well, it's just, it's just fantastic. <laughs> okay, but my other selection, which I don't know, have y'all seen, is called The Mirror Has Two Faces, mm-hmm. With Babs, <laughs> Barbara Streisand, Jeff Bridges. And just because it's that unusual, like these people have to get to know, they actually marry, okay, this is a trope, they get married before falling in love. Hmm. But it's very much the what is right in front of you, recognizing below the surface the qualities of an individual character and otherwise. And I have always loved it. And now, because I'm not in my 20s, it's like, hey, Older people can fall in love too, <laughs> right? So, um, and it feels that was like Jeff Bridges for me to say. has been yeah. older for like a hundred years. Well, yeah, now he's he, really old. Now he is, but he looked good for a long time. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. Okay, I'm just saying. I'll let you be honest about okay. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan, you know, I'm gonna have to go back to say anything uh, oh. because I love Cameron Crowe as a writer. Um, he's written so many good films, but this one, of course, is John Cusack. As, as the kickboxer who falls in love with Diane Court. And uh, it's kind of this high school romance and it's got so many good lines. Um, like, you know, when he's uh, meeting with her dad and he's all like, you know, I don't want to sell anything, buy anything or process anything as a career. I don't want to sell anything bought or processed <laughs> or buy anything sold or processed. And he goes through this whole speech, but there's also just great little like lines about life. Like, you know, like, you know, well, why do you have to be like this? Cause I'm a guy. And she's like, you're not a guy. I am. No, the world is full of guys. Be a man. Don't be a guy. You know? So there's so many good lines like that. I just, I just love it. And we end up quoting it all the time around our house. Uh, I mean, it's not better off dead, your comedy, you know, just fun, whatever. It literally, truly is a, a romance, so it's a fun one. Um, you know, it's got a few. Uh, you know, I think it's PG thirteen or so. I don't, I don't even know. It's got you know, got a few moments, but yeah. Uh, you know, f- well, fun it was for, in the eighties, you know. and all those eighties movies have more stuff than you remember. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But for me, it's got a, it's definitely one of my favorites. Okay, well, I am going to go with a drama that comes with a plugged in disclaimer. It is an R rated movie for violence. And it is Last of the Mohicans mm. uh, with Daniel Day-Lewis, of course, as Hawkeye and Madeline Stowe. A Michael plays, Mann film. Who, yeah, it's a Michael Mann film who plays Cora Monroe. And it's based on, uh, you know, Fenimore Cooper's novel of the same name. Um, but it, it's it's a lot of things. It's an action movie. It's a drama. Uh, but it's a romance. And Cora gets uh, kidnapped by... The Mohicans and Wes Studi plays Magua, and he's one of the best movie villains, like, (laughs) ever. Um, But there's a scene where they're going to be separated, and Daniel Day-Lewis's character says, you stay alive! And then he says, I will find you! And so that's like one of our family memes when we're we're not around each other. I will find you! And (laughs) I know, we're nerds, we're nerds. Uh, A lot of violence. It's a very violent movie. Um, But, uh, man... That's peak Daniel Day Lewis running through the forest with a musket as tall as he is, and <laughs> and uh, and much romance. So, okay, well, I suspect as long as movies are being made, 
we're going to have romances in the mix. And I think it's because it's such a core part of the human experience. And it's also a natural catalyst for conflict, right? Which is, of course, is the heart of any great story. So today, I thought it would be interesting to think about how romantic movies influence us. And that, of course, begs the question, which us are we talking about? And I'm glad you asked. As I mentioned in the intro, we're going to talk about how these stories might shape the perspective of a couple different groups of people teens and tweens, single adults, and married couples. Before we dive into those segments, though, I wanted to start with a more basic question. Why do we like romance stories? And even there are going to be some guys out there who say, I don't like romance, but secretly we know we know you do, and that's okay. <laughs> and say when 90% of what you do is to get a girl's attention, right? you like romance. <laughs> that's a great answer. We need archetypes and models, don't we? <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. I would also say the idea of risk and reward, and especially when it's hard in real life to risk something big and go for that reward, you tend to live vicariously through others to make that okay. happen. And so there is kind of that satisfaction of, you know that somehow this is going to work out, and it's just the process of getting there. So. Okay. Hmm. Jonathan, do you have a thought? I was just going to say, the it was so funny using the words living vicariously. That's exactly what I was thinking of. I think for, for young people specifically, you know, turning on the CW or something like that is, look at these perfect guys, look at these perfect girls. Wouldn't it be cool if I lived in that world? And I think that sometimes ends up being the, this is a fantasy world. Um, this is a place I can live and, uh, and, and dream of what it would be like. Okay. And I think that's a great segue, Jonathan, to beginning to just talk about how do these movies influence us? And I want to maybe just go through those three different categories that I mentioned. When we're talking about young people, especially, how do these sorts of romantic stories influence tweens and teens and when we're in that really impressionable age? I think that what tends to happen when you're really young and you start watching all these stories is it builds up romance to dangerous levels. And what I mean by that is that on the one hand, it's like if you are in love and you're in a relationship, if it's not at this super hyper romanticized levels, then maybe you're doing something wrong. Okay. You know, and so you sit there and you're like, oh, gosh. I, my, my boyfriend didn't get me flowers, but it's the end of the world, you know? Right. And then on the other hand, um, and that's, if you're lucky enough to have a that's boyfriend if you're or lucky, girlfriend, yeah, exactly. right? That's on one hand. And then on the other hand, if you don't have a relationship, you might question your own self-worth. Like, okay, this is what everybody is going for. Everybody is trying to find their person. Everybody's trying to find, you know, who they're going to be with for the rest of all time, you know? And so if you don't have that person, you know, you're liable to settle for somebody who maybe is really bad for you, really mismatched to you. Um, and when I say settle, I don't mean like you're going to marry that person necessarily. I just mean that in your little high school brain, you might you know, get into a relationship that causes you a lot of pain that could have been avoided if you hadn't been so desperate. Okay. You know? So there's a kind of media peer pressure, I hear you say, yeah. you know, suggesting this is what the norm is. I feel like it also sets up the expectation that as long as you pick the right person, 
it'll be rainbows and unicorns. Yes. So the, okay. the assumption is, or the the onus is on you to just pick your soulmate, <laughs> and then you're gonna then you're okay because clearly that's what happens in ninety minutes in a rom com. We don't hear, <laughs> we don't have the you know the sequel where they're just paying their bills and raising kids and cleaning up vomit. Right. So, I yeah. mean, it's true. Honestly, we get the happily ever after trope all the time. And we will have stories that actually conclude at the moment the real story is just starting, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we've had a lot of drama in our family this week and and even just things happening that you find yourself in situations where you're like, I never expected to be in this place, you know? And And sometimes just basic questions like, I don't even know what to do here. I don't know what the right answer is because as you were saying, Lisa, real life is way messier usually unless we're talking about a gritty indie movie and then sometimes mm-hmm. those are pretty those are pretty messy <laughs> yeah. you know uh, it's it's kind of crazy though because a lot of movies as you said they ha- they give us the happily ever after they don't give us the after happily ever after but um something that i've noticed is just that these movies they build it up so that the climax of the movie is that moment you fall in love but then as you said adam that's where the real love story is actually beginning and i just like i think about so many different story it, like I think about my own experience. Let me just say, the lead up to the happily ever after moment, I hated that. Like all through high school, all through college, all through my young adult life, like dating was the worst for me. I, it was not something I was a fan of. Now, when I met my husband, you know, that changed and things got better. But I mean, really and truly, like when we got married, that was the beginning of our story. Like we we have started this great adventure in our minds. I mean, I'm sure it, it's not going to be on a movie anytime soon. It's kind of boring overall. Emily, but the yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, and That's I think too, happen. like I, I say, they're always such curated experiences and environments you know you're and and I'm saying this as someone who full disclosure just finished the sixth Hallmark Christmas movie in my queue even though I want to come back to that we're well into the new year right but but think of even like I'll depart here a little bit to say like even TV shows like The Bachelor and whatever I can fall in love with anyone on Fiji Okay. I right. mean, when I'm when I'm sitting <laughs> in a grass hut with people who have just curated my experience and I'm laying at the beach and I'm just having little bantery chats you with have very one of those attractive little umbrella men. drinks <laughs> yeah. or two. I'm gonna fall in love with them and it's gonna be cool. But right? then I have to come back and start working again and be my normal, very lackluster self, and things are gonna go south pretty quickly. So that's where I think we have to set up a better expectation, especially for younger tweens and teens. Well and I I think that's a great segue into the other two categories I mentioned. And we can talk about both of them in sort of a, a free-flowing way here. Um, young adults and and married people, because we often talk about it plugged in, how we focus on the ways that media and entertainment influence teens. And I think sometimes we can maybe inadvertently reinforce the message that once you're not a teen anymore, you don't have to worry about media influence. But that's not true, right? Mm-hmm. These stories continue to shape us. So let's talk about um, singleness and how they might influence our perspective on that and marriage. Emily. Okay, so what immediately comes to mind are sitcoms. Okay. Like, I'm thinking Friends, How I Met Your Mother. Um, I don't even know. <laughs> I can't think of what's uh, currently a sitcom. Probably How I Met Your Father, the spinoff <laughs> of How I Met Your Mother. But um, I think that 
it's like singleness as a young adult. It's like, <gasps> like they, they treat it like it's this awful, horrible thing. And they show these characters with so many different romantic and sexual, most of the time, sexual partners. And it's like, that's the norm. That, that's what life is. That's what everybody else is doing. So you should be doing it too. Because if you don't, you're a freak. You know, yeah. and that in and of itself is a completely different. It's almost opposite of what we dealt with in high school, because in high school, it's like, oh, just find your one person forever. But in, you know, in the young adult sphere, it's more of like, you may never find that person, but you better keep trying because that is the ultimate goal in life. Yeah, <laughs> I think on the positive side of the equation, and I'm speaking as a single woman, there's a, a fair amount of fantasizing your future life, and I'm saying this in a good way that you can do, of just, you know, for that single person, especially a Christian single young adult who knows that when they get married, they are committing, they're cutting out the clutter, they're not going to be a player. It's kind of like the sky's the limit. And you know that if you bring God into it, you kind of feel like you can watch these and be like, what will my story be like? And it almost infuses a certain element of hope. And, Mm. you know, the story's not over till it's over. And, you know, here I am, and I'm maybe watching this with a few of my girlfriends, and we're all rooting for each other. And so there's that kind of element to it, um, I think. But also, I think on the negative side of things, it also can breed a sense of, I'm just not going to settle because I've seen this story play out. And I'm like, okay, the reality is everyone settles on some right. level. Just ask my wife. And so <laughs> everyone <laughs> settles. And so you you see a lot of like rom-coms in particular that are out there that are like, okay, well, this guy, he doesn't have a job and he's an alcoholic, but he did go to an Ivy League school and he wrote a novel. And so I'm going to change him. I'm going right. to influence him for the hot. better. Too. Exactly. He's a well, smoking clearly. hot alcoholic. So there's always this sense of like, I can jump in there. I can make this work. Mm. Um, you know, and, and I think that that could be a little bit unhealthy because it sets us up for kind of being the fixer a right. lot of times for relationships that may or may not be real. Well, mm. and I wonder if part of the appeal of these movies is that they are getting at some really deeper drives and needs that we have. Like, I think that the romantic aspect is it's a longing for intimacy. It's a longing to be known. It's a longing to be able to let your guard down and be your bad breath in the morning, nasty self. Although that rarely turns Mm -hmm. up in Hollywood movies and Mm -hmm. depictions of romance. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's a, that's a good thing. And I think that the God component is, is hugely important here because as Christians, hopefully our faith is influencing the way we see intimacy and relationship in general and, you know, specifically romantic relationships, but we don't, we actually don't see that in movies very often. You know, Mm -hmm. I think I saw one Christian romance movie a long time ago and, and it was kind of painful, but they don't even make those very often. Jonathan? It's interesting because I think sometimes movies provide a lot of questions, a lot of scenarios we relate to, but they don't provide a lot of answers. Um, yeah. You know, maybe the old answer used to be the happily ever after, but everybody knows that, you know, once the, you know, they walk off into the sunset hand in hand, well, well that's really beginning a life that could be, you know, very difficult and problematic with all kinds of frustrations, this and that. And, and sadly, our, you know, our young people today, they're growing up in a world where especially now more than ever, they feel like they're not enough. And yeah. it would mm-hmm. be neat if we were able to steer them towards truth where in a world where they'd feel like they're not enough, they could realize that he is enough. 
And yeah. that's a message that's in the Bible. I, it's funny, I'm actually speaking to families this weekend at a church, and I'm actually going to preach through Samuel 1 because the story of Hannah teaches that really well. Um, a young lady who, in her particular society, felt like she wasn't enough because she couldn't bear children. And she was being mm. teased. Think how relatable this is to young people today. She's being teased because she didn't measure up. And finally, when she just lays out before God and says, God, you know, I feel like I don't measure up. I'm not enough. And she kind of surrenders to him. And before she even realizes that he answers her prayer, she gets up and she's like, okay, you got me. And hmm. helping our kids understand what that's like, that, that surrender, that faith, this really is faith um, to realize that he is enough. If we could steer them towards truth to understand that, that would help them on this journey um, after the sunset. Hmm. And Jonathan, that plays so much into something that is at its core a spiritual need, and that is to be wanted mm -hmm. and to be chosen. Yeah, and to and, be cherished. Yeah, even. yeah, exactly. And that's why, you know, it's funny because we're we're going to be talking about marrieds a little bit here. And I, I remember when, when you posed this question, Adam, I was like, I'm going to be fascinated to hear why marrieds uh, watch rom-com because <laughs> it seems so assumptive that, you know, oh, well, you're going to have all this. But then I think mm. to myself, man, there are lonely people who are single and there are lonely people who are married. And so again, it's kind of, again, wow. tapping into that deeply felt need of what does it mean to truly feel seen and to be heard and then to feel like you have been plucked out of yeah. obscurity into something better. Well, let's talk about marriage for a minute. And I want to do that in a couple of different ways. Lisa, you mentioned, you know, having six Christmas Hallmark movies, and you know, in your queue yeah, and ready I'm not to go. Ashamed about it, and no, but I want to talk about that very seriously because I think sometimes the Hallmark thing is, it becomes a punchline for a joke. Yeah, um, my wife and myself, me, I, we like Hallmark movies. I think she likes them more than I do, mm -hmm. which probably isn't a surprise. And sometimes I'll come in at you know, 752. I'm like, okay, we got three minutes till the kiss. They haven't kissed yet, have they? Because they're so. They're so formulaic. And <laughs> I actually asked my wife a while back. I'm like, okay, I just need to ask, is there something missing that you <laughs> want to keep watching these movies uh -huh. all the time? Because if we need more romance, yeah. if, is it, if this is a cry for help, I'm going to give you space to, to answer that. And, and she said, no, she just likes the stories because they're feel-good stories. Yeah. And I think at the most basic level, we like to feel good and we like stories um, that wrap up neatly and nicely. And I think that's part of the appeal with Hallmark. Emily? So it's funny that you say that, that you asked your wife, you know, is there something <laughs> yeah, missing exactly. here? Because my, my response to that is She's that, like, yeah, a Christmas town and a snowball fight. Right? So let's do it. <laughs> a man in you a know, plaid shirt. Who up in that town. It wasn't that great. <laughs> okay. When I watch rom-coms in general, not Hallmark specific, but when I watch rom-coms in general, I like to kind of poke fun at them. But I will say this. When I watch a fantasy movie like Lord of the Rings, yes, there's something missing. I wasn't born a hobbit right <laughs> aragorn is not my boyfriend <laughs> I, yeah, no i just no, want to be okay. a hobbit <laughs> fair enough fair enough i didn't mean to get weird I'm and personal there. <laughs> but yeah no so i think that when we watch movies like this as a married couple it doesn't necessarily mean that you know something's missing but sometimes when like, like we said, these stories end at the happily ever after. They don't get into, like, the nitty-gritty of, like, what life is like after, 
you know, marriage or just life in general, you know, because they're not trying to paint the life, like this is life, this is reality story. They're trying to paint the, hey, here's a nice story that you're going to watch over and over and over again. And we're going to reel in the dollars every time you do, you know, they want you to feel good when you watch these movies. So, you know, you watch them because it's true. They do make you feel good. They give you you know, warm, fuzzy feelings. Yeah, they're little dopamine romance factories, I think. Mm -hmm. So I will say as a married person, one of the issues that I have occasionally had moments where there'll be a twinge of, I don't know, I don't even know what word to use here, but just where I say to myself, well, what if my long-term romance doesn't look like what this one does? And we know from science that the infatuation stage that sort of is important for tricking us into making this lifetime commitment, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, not tricking us, but it's, if you have ever been deeply in love, it's a kind of insanity, Mm -hmm. right? And, And scientists have even said that. We can measure ways that you do irrational things when you're in that place of love is blossoming and you wake up, you know, singing romance songs and it feels like a movie. And Science says that the reality is that's not a place that your brain can sustain for the long term. And that for most couples, you're in that phase 24 to 36 months, which is just enough time to say, you are the one. <laughs> and and then reality starts to happen. And I, I know this is going to sound just, you know, really unromantic, but I think Sure, there there are those couples out there that seem to stay in that stage perpetually. I think most married couples would say at some point you transition into a place where when you wake up in the morning, there aren't strings and cellos because of that person next to you in bed, right? It's just, uh, again, it doesn't sound very romantic, but I think that's reality. And so I think the danger with romantic movies for married people is when you're sort of out of that intense, incredible feeling, and you're actually deepening into something more substantive. But I think you can be tempted to think, did I pick the wrong one? Mm -hmm. You know, and when I, when I see people who've been married four or five or six or seven times, you know, uh, Elizabeth Taylor, what was she married? Seven times? Something yeah, like, like that. Eight, I think. With bless her heart, twice right? To, I mean, yeah. what a true believer. I, in, a, in a weird way, I'm like, she never gave up hope. But I wonder if each time when she got to the end of that period, she thought, well, we're not in love anymore. We don't have those feelings that I must have chosen wrong. I'd love for you guys to just comment on that. Yeah, I think of uh, J-Lo, too. Yeah. I mean, J-Lo has, in fact, I just saw a preview for another movie that's coming out of hers that is exactly that. It's her actual telling of why she is such a hopeless romantic and why she's so willing to enter mm-hmm. into romance relationships over and over again. And so I think, and that's why I was like saying, man, you know, as someone who's never been married, I'm fascinated to hear what married people would say, because I think for me and for my friends, it's always about all of our options are still open. And so it's the unknown. And it's, and once you pick someone, then it's like, then you have to go into this weird, like self doubt or questioning. And I think it can be a trap, you know, where you, you say, did I pick the right person? Is that, you know, you get into all the soulmate weirdness and stuff like that. So I, yeah, I think it, I think it's tricky. And I think that's a unique thing that married people who have made the commitment have to go through. Well, Jonathan, Emily, you guys are married. Any more thoughts on on how romance movies might influence us in this place in life? 
Now I just resonated with you when you said you wondered whether or not your wife was uh, uh, missing something because when she's watching <laughs> Sweet Magnolias or Virgin River, which are both written terribly, I was sitting there going, how can you watch that? I uh, Really? I mean, come on. I've seen better plots on Looney Tunes. I mean- anyway. Do not insult Steel Magnolias. <laughs> right? That sweet, is not about sweet, romance. That is about a sisterhood. Sweet <laughs> Magnolias. Emily's coming for you, man. Sweet Emily's coming Magnolias. For you. Sweet not. Magnolias is something different? Oh, sweet. Okay, yeah. I don't even know what totally, that is. Okay. I, I actually, we've reviewed it. Yeah. Look these that, up on, on plugged.com. We have reviewed both of these <laughs> that shows. Very and, southern. Okay, I actually totally understand what you mean by that one. Yeah, exactly. I thought you said steel. <laughs> no, steel magnolia is a good one. <laughs> okay, we're friends still. <laughs> well, I think as usual with most of the topics that we deal with, there's probably more that can be said here. I think especially as we are guiding our kids and that's the primary focus of the plugged in show is how we can help you help your kids navigate these things. As always, I think the most important thing is just ongoing conversation. And, you know, if you happen to watch a romantic movie with your teen, which may or may not actually happen that often, but hypothetically speaking, (laughs) I think asking questions like, who do you identify with? You know, what does this story make you feel? What do you think happened after the happily ever after? Like, I think that's a really important question for us to grapple with. Um, And so I think, you know, Lisa, I'm glad that you pointed out some of the ways that these stories can also inspire us because I don't want this to just be a big downer that Mm -hmm. romantic movies are unrealistic and terrible. I think that romantic movies and romantic comedies on TV shows, they can help you kind of figure out what do I want? As as you were saying earlier, Lisa, like you can kind of sit there and be like, oh, I wonder what my story will be like. But that I think is the thing you want to make sure your kids understand what is your story going to look like it's not going to look like what you see on tv Mm. but what is it going to look like think about that and that could help set some healthy expectations well and even getting back to pride and prejudice again love it (laughs) um there's a you know that i see what you did there (laughs) i know i have to make it all about pride and prejudice the the lame in that is again it's this woman who is going to clearly this guy is brooding he's kind of a jerk he's kind of like you think he's vindictive and whatever he's proud but oh no he turns out to be amazing and he's just super humble. So you don't know all this awesome it stuff comes he's off doing behind the scenes. Right, exactly. So, but I think that's both, you know, hey, watch out. Don't think that you're going to rescue the guy that is the jerk, but also dig a little deeper and get to know people for yeah. who they really are. And so, again, I think there's lessons to be learned in that. I love that. And I think that is a terrific place to stick the landing on our conversation today. Lisa, thanks so much for being our guest Thank on the Plugged you. In Show today. And Emily and Jonathan. You know, glad you guys were here too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at Plugged In, we want to help you and your family navigate this crazy and disorienting world that we're living in. And we have so many stories and so many ideas and messages coming at us all the time. So we're here to help you protect your kids and also to equip them to think, hopefully critically and biblically. And our hope is that our reviews... And the conversations we have here together on The Plugged In Show each week will help you to do that and to find balance in this area that works best for you and your family. And with that in mind, if you've ever thought, man, I missed that review. I wish I would have known about it. You can sign up for our weekly e-news, which will give us a chance to send you an email each week with our biggest reviews and content connected to The Plugged In Show. And you'll find information on how to do that in the episode notes for today's show. Thanks. 
Well, in our second segment today, as promised, Paul AC joins us. Paul, welcome. hello, Paul. Old movies. Yes. I mean, plugged in. We know that we do all the new stuff every week. If it's a big movie or a medium movie or even most of the small movies, <laughs> we're your stop, right? We're reviewing it. But if you've gone to plugged in recently, you might have seen stuff that came out a long time ago. Some of it, you know, maybe 1946. Yeah. You yeah. Know, I did 20 years ago, 80 years ago, 20, 80. We don't discriminate. Tell us <laughs> about why that is happening on pluggedin.com. You know, it probably stems a little bit from some of the conversations that we've even had on this very podcast. Okay. Right? We uh, we talk all the time, and we reminisce about these movies that we saw as children. We saw, oh, man, I looked at that, you know, just two weeks ago, and it had so much stuff that I didn't even remember. Yep. And so we kind of thought that it would be fun. Plus, we could sort of- And helpful. We don't have enough to do, so we, right. we kind of <laughs> thought that maybe we should review more movies. Um, but we thought it would be helpful to actually go back in time and look at some of these films that we think that, you know, the folks who come to read our reviews might be interested in. You know, there's so much stuff on streaming services. Families sit around, they flip on a movie, they talk about a movie that maybe they saw in their childhood, and we want to give them a few tools so they can be prepared for what they might have forgotten uh-huh. or what they might expect. Well, and we've got, I would say, older movies that are kind of in a couple different categories, wouldn't mm-hmm. you say? Why don't you flesh out kind of what our criteria is, even though even our criteria is, it's a little bit arbitrary. It's super duper flexible, we'll flexible. just say. <laughs> I like that. That's a much better word than arbitrary. <laughs> but essentially, we're, we're looking at some of the movies that we know are still popular, right? We just went back and reviewed Die Hard. We're going to be looking at some of the classic movies that probably parents, maybe grandparents might remember from when they were watching as a kid, uh, who framed Roger Rabbit landed on our site not too long ago. So, you have some of those those quote-unquote classics, but then we're also going back and looking at real classics. Right. The Godfathers, the, smart, the, smart the Casablancas. Have the, decided their classics. Exactly. We're going back and looking at some of those true, true classic pieces of, of film. If it's on the American Film Institute's top 100 list, chances are at some point at we're going to try to cover it. We're going to try to cover it. Hopefully before they change it. Yeah, hopefully before they change it. <laughs> yeah, and it, for us, this is a really great exercise because it helps us as reviewers kind of see how the movies have changed because movies change as the culture does. We've talked a lot, even just right during a break, we were talking about what 80s movies looked like Right. And they are very, very different in some ways, cleaner, in some ways, much worse than the movies that we see today. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting to look at culture through the lens of these classic movies. All right. So if you are a classic movie aficionado and you've ever awakened in a cold sweat in the middle of the night and wondered, I wonder, I wonder if Plugged In reviewed The Godfather. Yep, we have. <laughs> so come check it out, and then you won't have to like watch that whole horse scene. That's really actually pretty disturbing. It's very right. Uh, yeah, as the person who <laughs> as the person who just reviewed that one, yeah, that was. I remember it because I saw it when I was like in college and a film student, and you know I had to work my way through the AFI 100 list. But I think that watching it again, I was just like, yeah, I don't remember it being quite that bloody yeah um it's it's a lot <laughs> well anyway that's perhaps a weird segue and a weird example <laughs> but we do want to increasingly equip you with what you need to know about 
those old classics as well and give you another reason to come spend some time with us, not only on the Plugged In show like you're doing right now, but PluggedIn.com. And speaking of that, one of the criteria we're using to to pick some of these old movies is input from you. Mm-hmm. So we would love to hear from you. What movies would you like us to review, Paul. Yeah, and let me just mention that, that some of you have already come forward with, yes. with your suggestions. We're working our way through yep. those suggestions. So when you tell us what you want us to review, trust me, we are actually listening to you. Yes, and it, but you may also have to exercise patience. But you may have to exercise patience because we're yeah, a small yeah. staff. Emily can't review everything just right away. <laughs> Sorry, right? you guys. Right. <laughs> Try harder, Emily. Please. I mean, I, I am. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope that that's given you something else to think about with regard to Plugged In. And and we love having the opportunity each week, really helping you through the various aspects of pop culture. And that's another way we'll be doing that for you and your family. Thanks, guys. Well, now it's time for a segment of the show we call Pop Culture Connection, in which we are joined by our producer, Ashley. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Adam. Always, always enjoy having you drop in for this part of the show. thank you. And uh, we're going to introduce Lisa Anderson to uh, our little game that we play here. I'm so nervous. uh, Oh, my goodness. You know, you should be. (laughs) It's like performance anxiety. Yes, exactly. (laughs) But try to turn the stress in a a positive and redemptive direction. What we're going to do, if you haven't heard this segment before, Ashley will ask us a question related to some aspect of pop culture. And and sometimes she'll pitch us softballs. And sometimes she's really mean. And she asks us really hard (laughs) questions. And the goal is to give as many answers as possible. So, I mean, really one word answers are your ticket to to a gold medal here. Mm, yeah. And then Ashley in her beneficence will tell us how many points we got and we can feel good or bad about ourselves accordingly. Absolutely. Right? Yes, sir. Ashley, take it away. All right. So so we can show at Lisa how we do this. Yes. Adam, you're up first. Okay, great. All right. And I know the answer to this one already. Okay. Would you choose 80s music or country and why? Oh, 80s music. 80s music was the best. We have so many examples of songs that are so different from each other. We have, you know, Everybody Wants to Rule the World. We have Bon Jovi. We have, you know, I Ran by the Flock of Seagulls. I mean, just the the variety in the 80s is astounding. And when you pair that with, you know, the hairstyles, we had mullets. We had the Flock of Seagulls looking like you could land a jet airplane on that guy's, the front part of his hair. Um, we have every color under the sun. I mean, I could Indeed. go on and on. Indeed. We could well, do a whole segment on that. Nine oh, points. Woohoo! Yeah. Really great about nine. Oh, good. It's a good score for me. Very that good. Might, that's probably going to be the score to beat. Yeah. <laughs> probably. That will. That will. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. You're welcome. Emily, you're up next. All right. All right. What do you think is the best TV series you've seen and why? Oh, oh man. See, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you that it. I I don't even have an answer for this because huh. I think what's happening is my plugged in brain is turned on right now and I can't uh. think of a single answer because everything that I've watched recently, even things that I enjoyed, I cannot recommend them and sure. therefore I cannot call them the best. And so <laughs> I'm just gonna say that. TV, there are nice TV shows out there, but I can't think of a single one. <laughs> well, that was a good answer. And because you're so considerate of 
plugged in. I'm going to give you five points for that. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. Pity points. Awesome. No, you know, not pity points. You know, a win's a win, right? A point's yeah. a point. Right. It's not Ten, zero. Take it. I'll take it's it. It's not zero. <laughs> exactly. That was the best non-answer we have ever heard. <laughs> oh, man. I, I seriously can't, still can't think of anything that I would call the best. Lost. Right? Go with lost. No, I've never seen it, and I don't want to see it. Okay. You know she wanted to say Sorry. friends. Sorry. Hmm. No, yeah, I didn't want to say that either. either. Yeah. No, and it's actually not our question, so we should stop. Well, yeah. Ashley. <laughs> we appreciate you protecting families, Emily. It's a good thing. It's good. All Emily's right. very consistent Bluey, and full of. There we go. There's a show I could say. Well, even Bluey isn't. Never mind. We'll talk later. Never mind. <laughs> probably, there's probably something in a newer season that I missed. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jonathan. Sure. You are out on the red carpet. What celebrity are you hoping to interview and why? Definitely Brad Pitt because, I mean, he's so dang good looking. Uh, and uh, plus, you know, I look like him. And I was going to say that. Of course, he's, been, he's got more range than any other actor out there when you look at the differences between, like, you know, California and 12 Monkeys and, and you know, I mean, name it. The guy has got such range. He's played with so many great different directors. Um, he always brings something different to it. Uh, variety of hairstyles. Let's be honest, uh, Adam. He doesn't stick with the right. same old one. He's more than just a pretty boy. So he's got that tan. Uh, uh, you know, this is like the nice. eyes. They're captivating. Look, we're not in overtime or bonus round here, Jonathan. Please stop fanboying over Brad Pitt. The dinger dinged. <laughs> How many the, points, Ashley? Eight points, Jonathan. Oh, good job. See, wow, Adam Very got nice. me by one. I got yes. you by one. Well, the 80s, I mean, that's bump set spike for there me. There you go. All right, so Lisa, now. Lisa, are you ready? It's up to Lisa. I know. Give me 80s music. I can do that. <laughs> uh, Come on, this Ashley. Is, this is a softball one, as, okay. as Adam mentioned. All right, if you could be any fictional character, who would you be and why? Ooh. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, I'm going to have to say, I talked about this earlier, I would have to say Elizabeth Bennett yes. minus the health concerns and the other issues around living in that time period and quite frankly women and the way they were treated a lot of reasons not to choose this but um she was a good walker she was sharp she was witty she had rosy cheeks um she ultimately got william darcy she put up with her mom but then she was rescued from that and so yeah fitzwilliam Fitzwilliam darcy yeah yeah all right points 11 points. Yes! Yes! You're a winner. You're the rookie. Sweet. You're saved me again. Pride and Prejudice <laughs> saved you again. That was a terrific answer. She was a, a walker. Yeah. Yeah. She loved walking. Remember? Yeah. They, I mean, no, she didn't sorry. have money to just, you Not know, like a zombie? I went all Game of Thrones when I started thinking about walkers, you know. But anyway, well, that was a particularly rousing installment of mm. Pop Culture Connection, Lisa. You crushed it. You know, Thank you. You may have been a noob, but it feels like you've been playing okay. the game your whole life. Well, I wouldn't have done too well on a couple of the other categories. Think, <laughs> we all have, have days like that. It, though, we do. So. Yeah. We do. And. Thank you for joining the Plugged In Show and our little My fun pleasure. band of merriment as we try to think about discernment as well. Loved what you had to say today. And we love that you joined us today listening. And as always, we hope that this has been a conversation that has equipped and challenged and encouraged you in some way to think about entertainment and how it affects your family. 
you know, as I was mentioning earlier, we would love to hear what you think about romance and about rom-com movies. How do you think this genre influences you and or your family? You can tell us, and there's a couple ways you can do that. If you go to thepluggedinshow.com, you can leave us a voicemail with your answer, and we might even use that on a future show. So if you've always longed to be plugged in famous, this is your opportunity. Or just reach out to us the old-fashioned way via email at team at thepluggedinshow.com. And of course, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. And it goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway. We've talked about a bunch of movies today. You'll find links to the reviews of everything that we have reviewed in the episode notes for today's show. And as always, if you're curious about what's going on in any new movie that comes out, Plugged In is your go-to source for all the information you need to make an informed and wise decision for yourself and for your family. Well, thanks again for spending some time with us this week on The Plugged In Show. As always, we know you have so many ways you could choose to spend your time. We love spending it with you, and we look forward to another great conversation next week on The Plugged In Show. As a parent, it's easy to find myself sitting backseat to my kids in the backseat. It's tough to be a step ahead, and full honesty, I'm pretty hard on myself when that happens. But I've found Practice Makes Parent, a podcast from Focus on the Family, hosted by Dr. Danny Huerta and Rebecca St. James. It helps me be more intentional and not feel alone when things get tough. Everything they share is practical and well-practiced, and I can use it right away. Listen to Practice Makes Parent wherever you get your podcasts.